0: Hello and welcome back to Resurrections and Adam Warlock and the Thanos Podcast. I'm your host, Al Sedano. And it is time again for us to dive into a little bit of history. Marvel Universe history. That is the history of the Marvel Universe number two. And since we're doing number two, we might as well have the same people back that we did for number one. So Peter Rios is back. How are you doing, Peter? Hey,
1: Al. I'm doing well. Happy New Year. Welcome to, uh, happy to be back playing in your sandbox and to be talking about uh marvel history deep diving into marvel
0: history love it yeah no it, it, hey it's great to have you here uh, you, you do a lot of stuff like this yourself but uh, half the time it is because it's, it's your more your interest it's the dc stuff so it's fun to pull you out of your pull you out of what you're normally doing and go hey try this one too mm-hmm.
1: yep absolutely absolutely and it's amazing how as i'm sure you're finding uh, comic readers have a big jigsaw puzzle in, in their brains and there's just a whole bunch of missing pieces and and it's a, it's a puzzle that's, you know it has a, an infinite number of pieces but you just slowly start to put each new piece in and this is kind of what this series is doing for my brain.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I love this kind of stuff where they delve into the history of these things and like, okay, how does this all work as one universe Mm -hmm. and i would not mind if they did a dc one like this sometime soon right a new updated version yeah yeah i mean the last time they were able to do it in two issues (laughs) and that was like what 86
1: right 86 87 and then they did do one around the time of uh what was it the backup in um countdown i think because in in '52, they had the origins backups, but then yeah. I think in, well, I think it was Countdown where they actually tried to redo for the first I don't know how many issues it was or where it was, but they tried to do another history update. And I have not seen that in a long time, so I don't recall. I think it was
0: narrated by Donna Troy. Uh, um, yeah, that kind of yeah. sounds familiar. I have to look. I'll have to go back and look at that to see. Yeah. I'm the last one I remembered. I because I forgot about that. Was the uh, the back of, like, the fold-out from Zero Hour, number mm-hmm. zero, the new timeline. hmm
1: There's also the, oh, what is it called? Justice League Incarnate? No, what the heck was that? There was a couple, there was a mini-series about the Justice League that went through kind of like a DC history, and uh, I'd have to look up what that was called. But there, so there, but nothing like the history history. Not Nothing like the original history. Yeah. Of the, yeah.
0: Yeah, well, and I wouldn't mind that because I love... I mean, I know a lot of people prefer ground-level stuff. Like, they can start with shoe one And there. And I do... I will say there is an enjoyment to that of being able to just be at the beginning and discover it as it goes. But I always do like the fact when there's more to it, like, than what I already know. Like, mm-hmm. so I can go back and go, oh, wait, there's more stuff. So I don't have to just wait for the new one to come out each month. There's also more things I can go back and look and find out what happened before. Right. And, and piece and, it together. Right. And I think the...
1: I think this history does that very well. Obviously, the text pages in the back, um, that does, that adds a whole bunch of stuff to it. In fact, I think sometimes the when I'm reading the issue of this series and then I get to the text pages, I'm like, wait, are there more text pages than actual Comic-Con? No, no, it's, no, it's not. Um, so that DC one I was referring to, DC Universe Legacies, was another trip through some of the, DC's history, and the other one I was thinking of was Justice League incarnations.
0: Oh, oh, that's right. Yes, that's right. Where like each issue was like a different grouping of the league over time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They did the original, the satellite. There was like an issue with the Detroit group, the right. In- international. Right. Up until, I think that was like shortly after, more like sometime after Morrison. I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember some of those. I think the Detroit League fought like the uh, Royal Flush Gang. Mm. It's been a while since I read that, yeah. But I, I
1: do. I, I love any kind of deep dive into any any continuity, any history. So happy to be talking about this this issue.
0: Yeah, yeah, they can suck me in with that. They Valiant sucked me in right after Unity when they did Arise Zero. Oh, I don't remember. Which like that. did, like, a whole future history of Valiant from, like, the beginning till that year 3000. Hmm. Like, I mean, they didn't do 100%, like, exactly where, but, like, you had an idea of, like, when shadow man was fated to die and archer and like who archer you know archer was gonna marry uh faith and like the wars and like except like how that goes on for like led to like the whole things so like you kind of was all laid out
1: very cool very cool love that love that whole yeah. concept yeah
0: but we're not a valiant podcast we're a marvel one so like we said history of the marvel universe number two
2: just like last time, I'm just going to give the credits for the book. I'm not going to give a synopsis, since doing a book like this as we go through it, basically, that is the whole episode is the synopsis. Here we go. History of the Marvel Universe, number two. Script, Mark Wade. Pencils and colors, Javier Rodriguez. Inker, Alvaro Lopez. Letters, VCs, Joe Carmagna. Editors, Tom Breford, Alana Smith, and Shannon Andrews, Belastros. Cover art by Steve McNiven, Mark Farmer, and Maury Hollowell. Variant cover by Javier Rodriguez and Alvaro Lopez. According to comics.org, the recap page might have been written by Alana Smith. Cover dated October 2019, on sale date August 21st, 2019, with a cover price of $4.99. You can find this reprinted in the History of the Marvel Universe Treasury Edition from 2019. The History of the Marvel Universe trade paperback from 2021, and Digitally on Marvel Digital Comics Unlimited, and possibly Comicsology. Nowadays, who knows of Comicology? Maybe it's there, maybe it's not. Good luck finding it. Batman Nightcast is back with new episodes
1: and a new mission. I'm Ryan Daly.
2: And I'm Chris Franklin. The new Nightcast chronicles the Dark Knight Detective's greatest adventures from our favorite comic book creators.
1: What a novel approach, talking about the comics we actually enjoy. I know, right? Highlights from this bold new era of
2: Batman Nightcast include... The Joker's Laughing Fish. The Saga of Ra's al Ghul. Is that how we're pronouncing it? Yes. Okay. Batman vs. the Man Bat. And the
1: first appearance of villains like Clayface 3 and the Ventriloquist.
2: Plus, more great stories by the likes of Steve Englehart and Marshall Rogers.
3: Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams. Alan Grant and Norm frickin' Brayfogle. Irv Novick. Don Newton. Doug Munch. Dick
2: Sprang. Max Allen Collins. No, what?
4: Just messing with you. Wasn't
3: funny.
1: Batman Nightcast, every month from the Fire & Water Podcast Network.
2: Find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and at fireandwaterpodcast.com.
0: So we're back to like, the framing sequence, although there's really no framing here. It's just kind of the uh, previously page where at the end of existence, Franklin Richards asks Galactus to tell him the story of their universe as they wait for its heat death. Galactus began with the first stirrings of life and ended with the birth of the mutant who would become Wolverine. And now the story continues.
1: Did you miss that framing sequence for this issue?
0: No, I was fine with them jumping into it because... I, the framing sequence, I think, if they did too much, we kind of felt like it was a—I don't know—would have felt like an interference, especially if it was reading this all at once. Oh, How about I you? I see. Yeah,
1: I think because I, you know, because we're doing issue by issue, I would have liked to check in again. And I mean, the previous—you know—that little paragraph you just read, that's fine. Um, I know one of the things about the first issue, I was—I was. I was I guess it was an interview i read they said you know we're not trying to tell just a dry story we're trying to make it a narrative i was like well it is kind of just still a narrative it's not you know i it's like just hitting beat to beat to beat so i missed it a tiny bit it, it might have been fun to pop in somewhere maybe at the end of this issue you know hmm. like,
0: yeah. i could see that at least like if you don't, you don't have to have it at the beginning and the end but maybe it just one of them
1: yeah just sort of touching back in but we'll see we'll see where it gets to
0: you know and we'll see what happens in the future issues because it's I, I have not been reading ahead, so I don't remember. You know, it's been a while since I read it, so I don't know if they how often they bring it back or if it just comes back in six.
1: Oh right, right yeah. I haven't read those issues, so I don't know. But so, but then like it makes me think. Then you know, when we actually get to Galactus on Earth with Fantastic Four, like shouldn't he stop and say something about it, or is he just going to talk about it? You know what I mean? Like so. Yeah. So that's the kind of thing I'm looking for. So we'll see, we'll see. But that's not this issue though.
0: So. Yeah. No. Although looking for i'm wondering if for, for something like this you kind of have to plan out what you're doing and how far you're going to go because you, although you don't sure. want to get to issue five and be done if it's six issue series and you don't want to get to issue six and go oh crap i got two issues worth of stuff
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: so i'm wondering if maybe also that could have been just in the plate page layout it's like okay you know what if we're going to get this done in six issues we got to take out that framing thing here and here
1: right sure because
0: otherwise we're going to have to like I don't know, cut out the death of the second Captain America or cut out Galactus showing up on Earth the first time. So (laughs) and we can't do that.
1: Yeah. I mean, this issue ended pretty much exactly where I thought it was going to end. You know, once we get there, I was like, yeah, okay, of course, that's exactly where I thought
0: this was going to end. So that made sense, at least. But we start off at basically the end of the 19th, beginning of the 20th century. And of course, we're starting with mutants for the 20th century. And we have Mystique and Destiny. Mm-hmm. Now, although makes me wonder, like, did I ever, I guess I never re- noticed something about how Destiny lived so long. I mean, with Mystique, with her powers, it makes sense why she would still be young. Mm-hmm. But Destiny, while Destiny was old, Destiny was not this old.
1: That we knew or felt, maybe, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's
0: just like, we just knew her power was precognition, not living a long time
1: sure right
0: yeah i think a
1: lot of these characters in this in this opening sequence that that has that notion of age has struck me a lot especially when you're talking about this time which is like right before the birth of the marvel age two marvel ages if you want to say right before the birth of the golden age of marvel comics which is what this is and then the next one right before the birth of the modern Marvel age with the Fantastic Four. I, I, I felt that way. I have that down in my notes several times. Oh, no idea They're, they are that long lived. And that, this is definitely one of yeah.
0: them. And this is probably one of the first times, depending on when the uh, how Pox started, that they actually, I mean, I know Claremont hinted a lot at it, but that they actually come out 100% and say, oh, yeah, Mystique and Destiny were involved. Mm -hmm. they were lovers they were married right i mean they kind of always give the hints when you see the you know background of rogue and there's like the three of them together and them raising her kind of you kind of could guess that there was something going on Mm -hmm. but this is
1: pretty explicit so and at this point it has to be right because there's just been too many stories or
0: whatever yeah yeah and at this point, they could, you know, finally do it, as opposed to like 1978 or 1982, where they really couldn't, do, weren't allowed to do that.
1: Sure, sure. And he had
0: to kind of hint around. <laughs> and we get the the original Man on the Wall, that whole thing from from Original Sin. Right. That, this is all new to me, that stuff, because I
1: didn't read that series. So this is, this part of the history, putting it into the Marvel universe, and then with Nick Fury later, all totally new. Great concept. Love it. But
0: totally new yeah. for me. Yeah. And obviously kind of in going on with the whole War of the World story. Right. So we have the Martians. And then we jump to World War One finally, where we get the uh, the first group of heroes, although technically they didn't exist, they're all retcons. Right. Was it Freedom's Five with the original Union Jack and the those it the, the Knight? Sir Steel. <laughs>
1: Crimson Cavalier, Phantom Eagle. Phantom Eagle was the one that I recognized the most. Well, besides Union
0: Jack. But, yeah, Phantom uh, Eagle... I think he... I forgot to look him up. I think he might have been an actual older character.
1: Right. Because we're dealing with, as we will later, we're dealing with concepts in the Golden Age, but created in the 70s. But Phantom Eagle had, all, had been around. Um. So, so that one... I I was like, okay, I kind of remember this from
0: that invader stuff and adding in the uh, oh, what's his name? Orson Randall, Mm -hmm. the earlier incarnation of Iron Fist, which is obviously a much later retcon. Right. Right. Since that came in with the Immortal Iron Fist series. Right.
1: So I have here what the invaders number seven from 1976 when they were grouped together. All of them, their first appearance in that issue. Yes, except for Phantom Eagle
0: and uh, the character John Steele, mm-hmm. who was supposed to be a little bit of history of uh, Professor Erskine working, you know, working in Germany before he's able to escape. So that's kind of neat. That's kind of neat. I like this whole little thing where like there was still some stuff going on in World War One, even though it wasn't as much right as it would be definitely for World War Two, obviously, which is when the comics actually were created. Right.
1: And that's you know, the whole Orson Randall thing, the immortal the Immortal Iron Fist run was so good and you yeah. know, really opened up that Iron Fist uh legacy and that character and that history. And um we're gonna be seeing a lot more of that kind of like opening up and of, of modern concepts meeting young um golden age concepts and and even pre golden age, because World War One to me feels like pre golden age. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I like, I did like what they did before Sam they kind of made him feel more like a pulp character mm-hmm. instead of a comic character since yeah. there really were no comics obviously. Right. At least the you know not, not more than the comic strips. But yeah, he was more pulp like Doc Savage or the shadow type character.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, he even had a group that hung, if you if you remember those issues he even had a group that hung out with him that was very much like Doc Savage's, you know, Five partners.
1: All right, we we get to them later, right? The the Confederates of the Curious.
0: Yes, that's right. Yeah. They will. We, that's right. Yeah. And then a little bit of a uh, filling back in history. We got some, a little bit of Steve Rogers as a kid, Namor as a kid. hmm Find out how I didn't realize Blade was this old either. Right. Right. Born way
1: earlier than I thought. I mean, yeah. we, we we knew about Steve Rogers, right? You kn- you know that origin,
0: so so often right yeah and obviously if he's like 20 in 1941 he had to be born in the obviously he was born in the 20s right so
1: i'm a little surprised where namor's birth is because that means he you know if if marvel comics started in what 39 39 yeah and when did World war one end in uh bad history Uh, 1919 okay so if they're placing Namor's birth, well, I guess it's sort of all you know, one on top of the other. But that that means he's he's kind of young in those early
0: Marvel yeah. stories, right? He's, like he's supposed to be like barely twenty years old, I believe, or eighteen or twenty. I forget which.
1: Yeah, I've never read him, so I I didn't know if they actually tried to pinpoint an age. And I don't know why, in my mind, I just thought he was more long-lived. But, I mean, it certainly makes sense. I'm not questioning it. I I just, as I read it, I was like, oh, look, baby Namor. I never thought about that.
0: (laughs) Playing with sea turtles. Yeah. Which, yeah, you would. He's so peaceful back then. And then we get the night. And then there's a whole just, I love this splash page of all the whole mess of all the stuff happening at that time period. Right. I mean, because we get the high evolutionary. Because I remember sorry, from his background stories from the evolutionary war annuals that he was around, but he was actually doing this stuff before World War II. This
1: is kind of like, again, that sort of pre this is the I, I I'm assuming they're what they're even though they don't necessarily come out with it, although one of the one of the groups in this double splash is, is, is sort of named it. But it feels like, OK, this is the Mystery Men era right like dc is very clear on like golden age is very much like the mystery men and you don't really get into the superhero concept until later and i guess this is the first time for me that i felt that with marvel as well like these are they're showcasing their mystery men
0: yeah this is more the 30s i mean because the we have the angel who did show up in marvel first appear in marvel comics number one so i mean mm-hmm. he's From that time period. And Dominic Fortune, while a 70s character, his adventures took place before, you know, a lot of his adventures took place before World War II, that kind of a rocketeer-esque feeling to it. But yeah, that mystery, there actually is the miniseries Mystery Men. Right. Which does feature a couple, you know, come of the characters shown here on the right-hand page. Right. Um, Including one of them who would be, they recon to be a a Golden Age Marvel character named the Ferret.
1: Right, right. (laughs)
0: that was one of those mini
1: series too mystery men like we could we could probably start a list with this episode you know you got the the mystery men the confederates of the curious freedom's five all these teams that are golden age but did not necessarily exist in the golden age you know they had to be retconned later or created later. even if the characters if most of the characters existed um but i love that i i uh, I, I love that layering of mythology and looking back and trying to make sense of that. That's what this these pages are doing, right? They're make, trying to make sense of Marvel's, especially Marvel's Golden Age, which is probably the loosest era of all of yes. Eras, you know? Oh yeah,
0: and I did like, and I think this is what they this is something they took from uh, the uh, the Marvels project,
4: mm-hmm. where the
0: angels, since the angel is like their first actual super, no no superhero. Being Angel's the first one. And he's using the guns from the two-gun kid. Right, right. That was left to him. So, again, a, a legacy thing. Even though they're not the same you know, not not the same name and not doing the same type of stuff. Exactly. You know, he's not running around the Old West. But continuing that. Giving, gave, gave to me, like, much more importance to the Angel. Who's a character I never really thought of before. Like, the last couple years. Hmm.
1: Did you read Thunderbolts when, uh let's see it would have been i think fabian Nicieza's run right after busick yes yeah cuz there's some there's some angels oh wait no i'm sorry not not i'm i'm confusing my golden age not that i'm talking. i'm i mean the scourge stuff that's what i meant this what well, i guess or i guess citizen that also v. yeah i mean well the, the the original scourge stuff with captain america and then the way fabian Nicieza played with it with citizen v and and bringing in he he brought in some golden age characters and that um as because there was a new scourge running around during thunderbolts
0: that i uh, that part i remember i remember who it yeah. was
1: and there there's some ties to these characters here which is oh, I, you know i won't I, I won't say more than that so.
0: <laughs> i need to that's something else i wanted to do a reread of because oh so good that thunderbolt series was so was so much fun yeah that first issue was like the one of the last times I still remember being completely surprised. You couldn't do that nowadays. No. <laughs> or they or or they would have do it and then people you have a lot of people complaining. You lied to us. Right. Sure. Yeah. I will say the
1: other thing I learned about this page is obviously this is a retcon, but that the high evolutionary is wrapped up in the discoveries by Essex, Mister Sinister.
0: Yes, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, that was a newer part to me. Yeah. I mean, I knew he was tied in, obviously, Wundagore, obviously,
1: mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. which is kind of weird that he's tied in with this whole mystical thing of ancient, you know, elder gods when he's so, the you know, super science guy. Right, right. And a lot of his stuff, although it is kind of fun, again, he does kind of fit in with this, though, in the fact that he's. Fits in with like those pulp kind of stories. I mean, those pulp stories have been detective stories or adventure stories, which a lot oh, sure. of these characters fit in, sure. or like crazy super science.
1: Right. I, I, very, as I was researching this page and these characters and going, oh, okay, this is the. I got a huge planetary vibe, you know, like there's a group in planetary that's kind of the same thing. It's, yes, it's, it's all modeled after the shadow and the green hornet, and you that's know.
0: like the first issue, I think, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, yes, Doc Savage and, and, Playing with the birth of, and and this is doing it too, where they there's a sense that something is coming. Like, I love the Steve Rogers, the little blocks, the little panels. Yeah. Guiding was, us and taking us to, you know, the eventual reveal. Like, there's something bigger about to happen, and that's why, especially in Planetary, that's why those people formed. Because they kind of sensed something new was on the horizon.
0: Yeah. And flip to the next page and we get to that something new is we get the creation of the human torch. Yeah. Which was the first, not just super powered. I mean, some of these kind of had some powers. I mean, it's not like Orson Randall with his, you know, iron fist stuff had nothing, but I mean, this was like the first in the Marvel Universe publicly seen superpower beings, Namor Mm -hmm. and the human torch, Mm -hmm. their battles throughout New York and, teaming up, fighting, teaming up, fighting, teaming up. Fight. It's kind of Marvel set up that, I mean, it's kind of funny. They, they set the, uh, the status quo for Marvel way back that when, Okay, first they're going to fight a lot, then they'll team up, and then they'll fight again.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and the artwork is so good, you know, uh, Javier Rodriguez and, and, and company kind of riffing on on some of their battles, some of the covers of that era, you know, just... just uh, I appreciated that the, these pages here. I appreciated the whole art. I mean, I, I just I he oh, yeah, doing in general, but
0: oh, and there's definitely a couple more pages, including the previous one with the the 20, you know, s characters. But mm-hmm. there's a couple of these pages that are just completely amazing, and the way he set them up. I, I so and have to go back and look more for his art in the past, and pay attention to a lot more of him in the future. Right. Yes. But going forward, now we are now we finally got to the creation of uh, no more little inserts of Steve Rogers, because now he's hit Project Rebirth. And now him and Bucky are running around with the Invaders. <laughs> Including all the little side... All, I like the little side thing of all the other random Marvel, you know, 40s Marvel characters. The Vision, yes. Miss America, the Thin Man.
1: That's the one that I didn't know. That was the one that... This is now we're starting to get into again uh the few 70s invader stuff that i read that was a hand-me-down box of comics you know like i was like oh okay this i I recognize this i recognize these people there's some new elements to it obviously but then i was like thin man i don't know who that is i had to look that one up that was new to me so that was fun it was like great i love learning new stuff thin man awesome didn't realize there was a a, a Mr. Fantastic type character back then.
0: Yeah, who went to a mystic land and met people who lo- all know how to turn themselves really thin. <laughs> like, what the <laughs> hell? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> or the blue diamond who, I, I love that, I read that giant size of Vader's number one, it has he's in there and it's like, basically a, some kind of super diamond exploded and a whole bunch of pieces went into hit hit him and basically made his skin pervious. <laughs> sure, why not? So easy, it's so easy. Oh, you love the gold. Sometimes the golden age is so much fun. Yeah. And continuing on to World War II, oh, this is the page I have one thing that I like the way they do the uh, page for the, uh, the Howling Commandos. Mm. The one, two, three, go. Like, he actually tells a little story here without actually, you know, in this thing. Right. Of uh, them all waiting in the shadows. They're waiting, they're waiting. And then, let's, and then, yahoo! And off they go
1: yeah i really feel like uh both marvel and dc i mean just these pages alone um owe so much to well i mean obviously kirby right like i think when we when we read the first issue it was like kirby was everywhere and now i feel like this issue at least up to this point maybe later uh, a lot of modern artists you know or modern creator ed brubaker has his hand over a lot of this stuff um Um, But I also feel like Roy Thomas, without Roy Thomas, Marvel's golden age might have floundered, you know, and without certainly with D.C., you know, what Roy did for D.C. in the 80s, he was doing with Marvel in like the mid to late 70s. And yes, um, and I love that. I love that this is all that they're still paying attention to it, that it's still here and and taking bits and pieces of what was in the golden age and then retconning it for the 70s and later yeah, and, or
0: the case of the Howland Command was retconning from the 60s right right and just having to
1: make sense of things like we're we're, we're going to come up on like all of the different captain america and buckies which have they've they've been toying with all that kind of information all the way through back to like the original handbooks and things like that but making it part of their Marvel universe and not ignoring it, just keeping it. It's just great. It's really great. Cause I, I, the same thing with, with the Sergeant Fury, like Nick Fury, like I know Nick Fury because obviously is the, the spy agent in the age, in the eighties, right? Like the, the head of shield. This is way after Jim Steranko.
0: Oh yeah. And he would um, show up every, they Everyone would use him randomly.
1: Right. And Nick and,
0: Fury shows up with Wolverine and he's over here at the event, Captain America.
1: Right. And not really realizing that, you know, he started off as a, a war hero more than a, a war book, I should say. And um, and then later when they add more to the whole shield stuff. But um, it, it I don't necessarily want to go back and read those Sergeant Fury and Howling Commando's comics, but I sometimes get curious. I'm like, yeah, it's so interesting that he started out as a war comic character. And then it, what they do with him later because of Stranko and other people.
0: And not just that, but when he started, when they started putting him in strange Tales with the S.H.I.E.L.D. series, Sergeant Fury was still going on.
1: Ah, uh, see. OK.
0: So he's actually like you could only want to get if Nick Fury was your favorite character, especially in the 60s, you had two books to get. Wow. You know, you can get him in two books, one in the present, one in the past. That's great. Which is kind of weird if you think about it, that the first Marvel character, like in the, you know, the Marvel age that had like, you know, well, I guess you say is the second since the Human Torch, but like the first two to get like multiple appearances, multiple books was the Human Torch and Nick Fury. (laughs) I mean, if you told somebody that now, if somebody realized that now, they're like, what, really? Not Spider-Man? Right, right. Not Cap? Not, you know, Iron Man? Not Iron Man? It's like, nope, nope, Nick Fury and the Human Torch. Although at least Nick Fury's stuff, you know, did more things. Human Torch, like most of his books was like, you know, finding the wizard again or meeting the Beatles. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but a few more pages on World War II, because, you know, yeah, World War II lasted a while. We got early appearance of Magneto. Mm-hmm. We got Isaiah Bradley, which was a nice little uh, surprise for me in Falcon and Winter Soldier.
1: Yeah. I feel like uh, I I sort of wanted a little more with Isaiah Bradley in this history, but um, I am glad that at least they, again, they're keeping to that continuity and, and that part of, because that truth series was so fantastic. It was so good. And, and really just sort of, um, Oh, just kind of emulating what you think would happen. You know, like it, it totally makes sense. It's based in history. It's based in history of what, you know, military governments
0: do or whatever, but yeah. um, How they test on people and then. Right. Exactly. Consider them throwaways, but but that's okay. And I do need to, I've read part of that before, but I really do need, that's one of the things I haven't got up to that part yet. In the, as I said before we were recording that I was, I'm trying to read all the stuff in the back. I haven't got to that part yet, Mm -hmm. but I definitely am looking forward to rereading that, especially since I forgot that it was Kyle Baker doing that. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Oh yeah. And I do love a lot of his, like those one shot books he did. Like a uh, King Saul, was it King David? Or you are here? Oh, okay. It Was like original graphic novels he would he would do for like I think yeah. it was De- I think it was Vertigo or-, or something.
1: Well, one of the things that I still have yet to read, even though it's so so ingrained in my brain, um, is all this Winter Soldier stuff. You know, like I, I I'm it's one of those like factoids that as a comic reader you just absorb because everybody's talking about it right when it was when it happened at the time um marvel brought back you know the the whole the old thing was you're never going to bring back uncle ben you're never going to bring back bucky you're never going to bring back you know whoever well
0: i think those are the two uncle ben and bucky
1: (laughs) right and then all of a sudden here comes here comes bucky back and I remember, you know, a lot of my friends were just going crazy over, it, but I never read it. You know, I certainly know the history now, but I've never read all of the. You know, they're they're filtering all that Winter Soldier stuff here, which is fantastic. So,
0: and then we get speaking of Bucky, quote unquote, dying, and as you mentioned before, we have the uh, filling Captain America's, uh, the Spirit of '76, and the Patriot. Mm-hmm. Which I just read that what if issue that talks about that actually. Introduced that concept, mm. and I had always thought that was a backup story.
1: And it's but it was the
0: actual main story.
1: Mm. Trying to make it's, sense of of Marvel's 50s Captain
0: America. Yeah, even though it was a what if, they even even said in there, it's like this is something that maybe did happen. They they do kind of say in the issue they said maybe this happened, maybe it didn't, and basically in the text page they're like, well, basically it was because we didn't have anyone else to write what if, so Roy had to go back and write it, and. uh this was a story he had that really had no other place to go. So we put it in What If.
1: <laughs> and also the, the well, I call him in my notes the fake red skull, you know. But again, that was that was all wrapped up into that same kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, and I think, wouldn't that be like one of the fake red skulls? I think they get to it later where that kills Peter Parker's parents. Mm. Oh, and one of the things that they definitely, I mean, for a lot of this World War II stuff, especially the World War II stuff, even though they're fighting in this real war, they still kind of keep the main... Realistic things that happened, you know, the, uh, the, the atomic bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki did happen. Still, Pearl Harbor right. happened. Right. I mean, they have to go out of their way, like you mentioned before, All Star Squadron, where they had to find something. You know, they did a story about that, but they had to fail, obviously, because it had to still happen. Right. But Marvel history, though, does change at one thing in the fact of how Hitler died. <laughs> the Human Torch kills him.
1: Yeah. And you know that's some it's another part of Marvel history that I do have in my brain. Probably got it from like one of the handbooks or something. Um but I never I never saw it on page and I don't know where it comes from in terms it's of, of comics. So. Oh, it's that one again. Okay.
0: It there is there. that one. And once so basically once they set in whatever whatever time period they set in that yes, the spirit of 76 and the Patriot 100% was continuity and not just a possibility. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. That means that rest of the issue was true, which means the Human Torch killing Hitler. Right. There it is on the page. In all so, its gruesomeness. Yeah, <laughs> So, good for him. I, mean, I like the Human Torch, original Human Torch. Now I like him more. <laughs> and we get the old Winner Squad and a couple of the other, you know, we get the, beginning, the V Battalion, which ties in with, like you said before, Thunderbolts.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I really, you know what, it makes me, that one panel makes me want to read all Winner Squad more than anything else. With their fighting warrior woman.
1: The, is, just the original golden age ones or, or some of the later stories?
0: Uh, any of them. I'm as sure they probably won't be as cool looking as this. Right, right. But this just looks really cool, this fight. And now we're into the 50s with, like we said before, the Winter Soldier. Hanging out in Russia. And I love I, that idea.
1: I, I like that panel. I just like how quiet it is. You know, it's a very... I mean, and their narration is, is pushing it because they're saying, you know, the main war is done and now we're going into this sort of espionage Cold War aspect all behind the scenes. And that panel of him just sitting on the on that statue of the hammer and sickle like it like, yeah, that's cool. That's a cool little quiet panel there for, for it, the winter soldier.
0: It kind of like that to me, it kind of like that um panel, those panels for the Helen Commandos kind of tells like its own little story. Right. Right. Like, you can almost see him sitting there after a mission trying to figure out, you know, tr- getting, like, actually five seconds to think about who he is and try to remember something before yeah, there was they a, put him back.
1: That was one of the things about this issue, uh, I think, because the first issue dealt with much more of, like, cosmic entities, gods, locations. There was there was a, a, a real sense of artistry and innovative pa- innovation page-to-page, page. and in this one it's 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 a different kind of innovation that that the creators are going for. It's it's um, it's not as cosmic-y, right? Obviously, it's not... A, the, the panels aren't... The artwork's not breaking a lot of panels. And when you compare it to the first issue, this one feels not standard, but just feels a little le- less um, wild. But it makes sense because the first issue was about the creation. So, of course, everything is going to be wild. And this one is about... Like you're saying the stories, you know, originally it was in my notes of like, hmm, I don't know. I I like the artwork, but I didn't think it was as innovative. But now that you say this, now you keep saying this whole thing about stories. No, that's what this issue does very well. It tells little stories.
0: And you know what? It's something I didn't pick up on until you mentioned this before. But I'm looking back and we just look like so we don't really get many double page spreads Mm -hmm, except late earlier on. So, right. like the earlier stuff, you get these explosion of these 20s characters. You get the Human Torch and Namor fighting this big page, or the World War II, the invaders. And these are huge events. Right. And you get these huge splashes. And now this is like a quieter time. It's a cult, like you said, it's espionage, it's Cold War. And we have these smaller panels and like pages of more things, ha- like three or four things, different things happening at once instead of one big thing. Right. I'm wondering if maybe that's what he's going for. That It's kind of going more of what this was what was happening. These are smaller things that weren't really seen. They were secret. They were happening uh, separate from each
1: other. Whereas like a lot of that origin stuff in the first issue, even if the things were separate, they all were connected because the Celestials were making this alien race who turned around and made this alien race who turned around and started a war with these people who turned around. You know what I mean? So it felt like yeah. that that whole... The whole birth of the Marvel Universe was just constantly flowing. Now we're getting into a different part where some of these characters, as we've been saying, didn't exist publishing wise in the same decade, even if they exist continuity wise in the same decade.
0: Yeah, because like obviously the Winter Soldier did not exist at this time. Right. I mean, just going that one page, I mean, Marvel Boy, yes, he existed. Mm -hmm. The Blue Marvel did not. Right. Cap and Bucky, as we see the 50s Cap and Bucky being put in cryogenic storage because they were going a little crazy. I mean, sort of existed. Cap was around and he was doing the commie smasher stuff. <laughs> so it was kind of a way of taking that. But, obviously, you know, it wasn't 100 percent this. Right. And that so, Jack
1: Monroe, that's Nomad, right? Yes. OK. They didn't say that. But I, I I was like, no, wait, I think that's Nomad. I didn't look it up. But I was like, yeah. That no, that,
0: that was definitely him. He was the right. I'm not sure which Bucky he would be now. Oh, yeah, like third, fourth? He's at least the third. Okay. Because it's the Spirit of 76 who takes over for Cap, and he gets his own Bucky, who actually had been... Roy Thomas had introduced him as somebody who helped Bucky out during the Invader series. Okay. So he took over as Bucky, and then when the Spirit of 76 is killed and Patriot takes over, he still is Bucky. So... I'm wondering if that just means he just stayed Bucky until basically Bucky was kind of written out of the Captain America series for Golden Girl in the late 40s anyway. Mm-hmm. So i wonder if that means he's Bucky 3. You know, I wonder what happened to that guy.
1: I don't know. I'm surprised he didn't show up in any of the DC um, uh, Marvel Marvel stuff, Marvel movie Good. stuff.
0: Yeah. Or or just like in some like because I know like then the a couple years ago when they did like the 70th anniversary and they did like a couple special one shots like uh, they did a young allies one shot and, you know, and doing like kind of retelling some of the old stories, but also doing some newer story because in that young allies one, they kind of do a story of the young allies kind of going like what really happened and also making it a lot less. Well, to be honest, racist. Yeah. But they do the story in the story. Bucky comes back, you know, since he's back as a soldier, he comes back and meets up with, like, some of the old friends, the young allies before they passed away. Hmm. And I just realized this guy was never there. But you were about to say something. Sorry. Well,
1: I know I, I just what I was I guess once you get Winter Soldier as a as a character from the when was that the early, like the mid 2000s or whenever that was yeah. once you have Bucky back in this sort of traumatic role as the Winter Soldier. Does Nomad really fit in Captain America comics? You know, because he also was kind of like that tortured. uh, I don't have a place kind of character when he was Nomad, you know, so I feel like there's certainly room for two characters of the same cloth. But I guess once they made the decision to bring back Bucky and create this Warner Soldier, the emphasis on Nomad, I guess, is probably going to slip away.
0: Yeah, because they, they kill Nomad off in that series.
1: Oh, well, there you go. I'm not sure if they brought
0: him back. <laughs> but they did, you know, because, I mean, it's Marvel. So, you know, someone's sure. going to throw back at some point. Okay. But they did kill him off. So, anyway, so we we get their explanations of why some of these characters went away. Like you said, Captain America, or well, that Captain America, the Human Torch kind of burned out in the Nevada. Namor was spent, uh, lost his mind. Mm-hmm. So that way he's set up for when the Human Torch meets him up years later. Nick Fury in space with a big laser gun.
1: (laughs) Now, is that supposed to? I didn't look this up. You know, Starenko's Nick Fury stuff was very trippy and out there. And I I don't know if it was Starenko or Kirby who I remember. There's a cover with them in space. So, so this whole Man of the Walls thing, which
0: is a later. Yeah, that's concept. the original sin stuff.
1: Right. Is it a way to kind of make sense of of 60 70s Nick Fury being fighting out in space or is, or do you think it's this is just this is just original sin stuff?
0: Well, I mean, it's mainly because of the original sin, but I'm wondering if they maybe did that because it kind of fits in with the character.
1: Yeah, that's I mean, that's how I sort of see it. I, I, I'd have to look up what cover I'm bringing to mind but there's a you know very clear cover of nick fury in, in a spacesuit, and um is it from his first issue i'd have to look it up no not from his first issue uh but that's uh, this whole page here uh this kind of again um acquired moment a, a setup for the 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 marvel age ready to explode like i love that i love that the uh did you mention the agents of Atlas? Atlas? I was
0: about to, but yeah, yeah, that's the next part of the page. Agents of At- Atlas with against the Golden Claw. Yeah, not the Yellow Claw, Golden Claw. Yeah. yeah, I think I think they said in the series that was his actual name. It was just '50s white America newspapers were like Yellow Claw, right? And he's probably sitting there going, oh, whatever.
1: Yeah, yeah. So here um, it is, Nick Fury, uh, agent of agent of Shield. It's that series from starting in uh, '68, issue number six. Um, Roy Thomas, Archie Goodwin, Frank Springer in the interiors. But the cover is um, Jim Steranko and it has that same spacesuit with the bubble and the his gun is a lot smaller, obviously, um, but it's got the yellow tint to it. So, um, oh, yeah, I'm
0: looking at that. Now. Yeah, right. right. See, so, so it's like,
1: oh, see, it's I've never read these issues. I don't know if it connects, but it it definitely makes sense if that's what they're trying to make.
0: Now, the, obviously, yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say, or at the very least, that's what uh, Rodriguez is trying to do is connect it. Right. Because S.H.I.E.L.D. hasn't been created yet in yeah. the history book. Yeah.
1: But at least here's a way to connect images that might be familiar uh, to a person's brain which it was for me which was like wait a minute that looks very familiar so I should have looked it up beforehand but that's that's cool
0: I forgot cool. about that stuff I would thought maybe you were mentioning there's a what if where it was like what if Nick Fury fought World War 2 in space no <laughs> and I thought maybe that's the one you were thinking of but yeah I've never really read a lot of the Stranko Shield stuff which I feel horrible about because every time I see images of it like this I was like wow that's just cool can't read everything <laughs> I know
1: now, the this. agents agents of Atlas. I love another one of those concepts like the freedom and conf- freedoms by conf- like just creating this new sort of idea out of older characters. I guess I think again that was in the 2000s.
0: Yes. Yeah. But yeah. And the, but these are actually actual older 50s right. and 40s characters. These are right. all ones that actually existed. And it's just just someone coming along and saying,
1: hey, how can I put them together and make them make sense within the larger Marvel or just or if not necessarily make sense, carve out a new era that maybe they haven't played with before. Yeah, um,
0: love Plus, that. this series made me love Jimmy Woo as a character. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I was so hoping they would somehow incorporate him into the Chang chi movie. Oh, and he wasn't? No. Because he's in the uh, WandaVision, right? He's in WandaVision, and he was in the Ant-Man movies. Okay. I was kind of hoping they would do... Considering they were kind of merging the Mandarin character that they use, you know, Shang-Chi's father, mm-hmm. you know, different versions. He's like a... You know, he's the Mandarin. He's Master Khan. He's, you know, the Yellow Claw. Like, little bits and pieces of that. But obviously a lot less stereotypical. Right. Than was done in like, the 50s and 60s and 70s. And... But here, like, in the Agents of Atlas, if you remember, like, Jimmy Woo's related to him. Right, right. Because he's in those stories. Yeah. Yeah, he's got to be like those, uh, he's basically his success, you know, His he's picked him, or at least, I don't know if he, well, I forget if he's related, or at least he's uh, he's his hand picked successor. It's kind of like a Ray ghoul Batman type relationship a bit. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, I want you to take over. And I kind of was hoping that maybe we could have done something like that, you know, if Jimmy Woo could have been involved in that somehow, because I'm not sure if they would do if they're going to do you know the movie universe is big enough to have two characters of that kind of bent.
1: Yeah, yeah. And by the way we sh- should make mention that those characters in Agents of Atlas also showed up um in Avengers Forever years before they actually became Agents of Atlas. Like Busiak made them like the Avengers of the 50s or something like that. That was right? from
0: one of the what ifs.
1: Uh and also from oh is oh so is that what he's playing with? Because that's why I, I saw it in Avengers Forever. They were, you know, that really, that great, you know, Frank Quietly cover oh, yeah. and then, and then uh, the interior. So that actually goes all the way back to something else. What yeah, if the like, Avengers
0: were in the 50s? Exactly. That's what it was. That's what if right the right Avengers there? were in the 1950s? And basically, Busiak used that as like, well, these were Avengers and we're doing, you know, he's trying to do this big Avengers story. Let's throw right. them in there. Right. You know, I mean, I know he also did a story of like future Avengers, but like, with like an older black panther and uh Chacosta and stuff i don't know i don't remember seeing anything with that i think that one might have been created whole cloth for avengers forever oh cool but this one yeah was from a what if it just a random what if issue and he's like well yeah they're avenger it says avengers in the title let's bring them in
1: right and that's you know and then you go to the agents of atlas stuff and they're like okay let's put it let's make it a, a reality you know and um I, I i just jeff parker and whoever else with that was involved with that was just so cool that was just such a great concept
0: yeah no that was a uh, i think leonard kirk did a lot of the art for that
1: okay plus yeah. to use marvel's name or one of their names atlas you know to, to just keep that legacy going to me just makes sense and and is a lovely tip of the hat to publishing continuity just you know
0: yeah, to their history of what they yeah you know, like we were this at one point right Right. Even if it wasn't Marvel, right. quote unquote, and I mean some of the characters are still around. I mean, Gorilla Man was like affiliated with the Avengers, at least not to at least recently, because in that uh, as I'm, in that Marvel Comics 1000, there's a part where Jimmy Woo calls him up and he's working in Avengers headquarters. <laughs> so and that's when you know that's when they were headquartered in the head of Celestial, which is the Jason Aaron run. I believe.
1: Mm, okay.
0: So at least up until recently, he's still around. I don't know about the others, but. But going forward from them, we also have some other things that they put in that uh, some other stuff that was done later on that fit in this time period, including uh, John Byrne's uh, The Lost Generation. Mm -hmm. And uh, the the series, uh, if you remember, came out like I think it was like late 90s. I think it was it was called Marvel Universe. It only lasted like seven issues.
1: That where the monster hunters come from.
0: Yes. Yeah, that that was. That was new to me. I didn't know. I didn't know that. Yeah, that was, uh, I think, only last like seven eight issues. I think it came out sometime around the time of Thunderbolts, actually. It was supposed to be like an anthology series. Mm. And I think Roger Stern was the writer. But kind of fitting in a couple of random characters that really didn't have a time period. Right. So, and of course, then, like as we mentioned before, we got back to the High Evolutionary with his, you know... I'm a high evolutionary and I do all, I have a tea kettle on a head, my head and I do all this super science stuff and create, my, you know, human animal hybrids. And we're also going to fight ancient gods. <laughs> that Just, was
1: of all this page, the, the first line, the John Byrne stuff and the high evolutionary stuff. I was like, Oh yeah. You know, I didn't read the lost generation, but I, I remember the concept and, and, um, but then the, you know, high evolutionary with C'thun and, and, Wanda I mean that that all just again that kind of dates back to John Byrne right like the Avengers John Byrne story where all that at least that's the first time I um, dealt with it where she went I, bad and
0: oh that's like in the 180s or something right right yeah mm-hmm. yeah I think that's when they first brought in the fact because I think that's when that was when they kind of uh, subtly tell you that well I mean I think that's been changed since but there was at the time subtly tell you that Mag, you know Magneto was their father right mm-hmm. yeah yeah because I think it was supposed to be, like, in the X-Men, you find, like, the story – they have the story where he's talking about him first using his powers just because his daughter – oldest daughter was killed and his wife ran and she was pre- – you know, wife ran. And then right. you get, like, in the Avengers, the, the same woman with the same name who's pregnant and hiding from her husband. Right. So it's like, oh! But, yeah, the first line – yeah, I really – I remember that series. I, re- I did read that. It was kind of – I mean, it was definitely interesting. He did the whole – he did it backwards,
1: right? Which God, that was. I, when I when I, I remember reading the premise of it, and he was kind of big on filling in the gaps a lot, like between that and X Men: The Hidden Years, and mm-hmm. um, but to do it back backwards, like that, like whoa, what? <laughs> I should really read it at some point.
0: I'm going to be rereading that again eventually. But yeah, that I did like X Men: The Hidden Years even more. But that's probably because I didn't have to be introduced to characters.
1: Sure, right, a little more familiar.
0: Yeah, and it was also filling in all those gaps with the X-Men. of Like, why would they all of a sudden show up here and they have the original costumes Mm -hmm. back and forth? And, you know, obviously that was just because people were like, oh, yeah, let's use the X-Men. What do they wear? I don't know. You remember those Jack Kirby issues? Draw that. (laughs) (laughs) And even the Avengers 1959 series that was done, which I think was shaken.
1: Yeah, that's another one that was totally new to me, this whole concept.
0: I knew it existed, and that's it.
1: And I was reading that Bendis stuff when this, when that kind of played out, where Fury is creating the, the, you know, they call him the Avengers Initiative. But I was like, wait a minute, Craven? Sabretooth? Really? What? What's happening here? So when I looked up what issues they were in, I was like, wait, I was reading that Bendis stuff, I think. So why, why don't I remember that?
0: And now we're getting a bit more into the... Uh super spy and crazy 60s early late 50s early 60s stuff as we got monsters showing up including everyone's favorite group
1: <laughs>
0: looking like he did in that original issue
1: right love him grabbing onto the panel borders to, to come through and step on everybody that's great great yeah. artwork there.
0: and the doctor strange panel or page I should, yeah panel i love how he does that with the uh the whole panel with the uh the window as like an interior panel.
1: That was uh, another one where I was where I was um, a little like, oh, okay, he uh, he's older, which makes sense. But I guess I I because when you think about when Marvel published. Fantastic Four and then, you know, Iron Man and Doctor Strange when they when they were coming out, they're all sort of colleagues and peers. Right. But he was already Doctor Strange to to some degree when his when his stories were initially kicking off. Yeah. So that, that would make him, you know, maybe he had he a little older.
0: Yeah, that's right. Because Yeah. His first story, he's already the you know, he's already a sorcerer. He's not, the, you know, the Sorcerer Supreme yet, but he's still already in he's already in the house with his, you know, with Wong and having his you know, abilities and everything. So right, right. at the very least, he had a, started his origin several years before that. Yeah.
1: So it was nice. It was nice that they that when I saw it here, I was like, oh, OK, yeah, that makes sense. I get it. It, it fits.
0: And you know what? And this is I just realized this is somebody that they kind of didn't put in, considering the fact that a lot of his stuff has been retconned to have like World War II adventures. This is the first time we see Wolverine in this issue.
1: That's right. He was the
0: cliffhanger from last issue. Yeah. And, I mean, I forgot that he wasn't even in the World War II stuff. I mean, because we know he had Adventures of World War II. There's that, you know, huge issue of X-Men with him and Cap and the black, you know, really young Mm -hmm. Black Widow. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Or, or, I mean, like, you almost could have had, not only, you know, the way that they had Steve Rogers in those small little panels, you could have really, you could have wolverine show up in almost every page like it almost would be hilarious if you went back and go let me look at that world world war one sequence again oh look there is logan way in the background you know like that would have been awesome if javier rodriguez was like oh look here's world war ii yep you know that soldier back there yeah that's logan you just didn't know it
0: Um, actually that would have been really good like in the background of a lot of these pages have a guy there and if you look closer like oh there's claws sticking out of his hand yeah,
1: he's got a it's cigar like, in his mouth or whatever, you know.
0: Yeah, you know, Wolverine, Wolverine, just killing people ran, killing people every decade.
1: Yeah, because I thought it was a little odd. I was like, really? Of all of his massive backstory of history, you're going to focus on Team X? Of, of all? Okay, all right, I guess. I guess that makes yeah. sense.
3: Hi, I'm Ruth. And I'm Darren of the Rad Adventures Network.
4: We're a married couple who enjoy great stories of all kinds, including adventures, mysteries, science fiction, and fantasy.
3: Please join us for a variety of podcasts focused on a range of pop culture topics.
4: Trekker Talk is about 23rd century bounty hunter Mercy St. Clair from the comic Trekker by writer and artist Ron Randall. It's a blend of classic sci-fi adventures and noir mysteries set in a retro future.
3: Xenozoic Xenophiles is about the comic Xenozoic Tales by writer and artist Mark Schultz. It's a post-apocalyptic adventure series filled with Cadillacs and dinosaurs.
4: Warlord Worlds covers the many comics of writer and artist Mike Grell, including The Warlord, John Sable, Green Arrow, and The Legion of Superheroes.
3: Sensational Sluice, where we talk about favorite mystery novels, movies, and TV shows.
4: Fantastic Fantasies, where we share our favorite fantasy films and books.
3: And Amazing Adventures, where we discuss action-packed adventure stories.
4: Listen on Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and YouTube. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.
3: Or visit RadAdventuresNetwork.com to find all of our shows and links to our social media pages.
4: That's Rad, R-A-D, which is short for Ruth and Darren.
0: I mean, I understand focusing on the whole Weapon X stuff and giving him as the Adamantium. That's a big thing. But, yeah, nothing about him in World War II. I mean, he's at least fought with Cap. I mean, I'm su- I'm honestly surprised they have not done a retcon that put him in the ev- uh, Invaders already.
1: <laughs> oh, my. Sh- don't give him ideas. Don't give him ideas.
0: <laughs> oh, by the
1: way, speaking of characters popping up everywhere. Wow, Namora is all over. Right? Because she's in the Agents of Atlas. She's in the Monster Hunters, the Monster Hunters. And then uh, what's the other one that she shows up that she's not here? Uh, oh, she and she's in the I'm, I'm looking up the I wanted to look up when. That Avengers 1959 thing. So I have so it's New Avengers issue number volume two, number nine. This is from 2011 and it's got on the cover, you know, Bloodstone and Craven and. And Dum Dum Dugan and Dominic Fortune, and there's Namora again.
2: <laughs> I didn't realize she was there too. Yeah.
1: She's like everywhere. Like that she should be the linchpin of that entire era. Like she's more so than Nick yeah. Fury, you know, like she's all over the place.
0: Yeah, she is. She's like she's like the much more cool she's like the cooler Namor. Well, and I
1: guess that makes sense because he's he's off in amnesia land. So yeah. yeah. Hmm, interesting.
0: And she was never as cranky as him either. There's yeah. a lot more, a lot more. I mean, she still could get pissed. I remember from each of Atlas, she still could get very pissed off like him, but she was never as cuckoo as he was. <laughs> oh, here we go. Speaking of Spider-Man, I mentioned that before. Oh, right. Spider-Man, the Red Skull, the second Red Skull. So I guess it's that same one we saw earlier.
1: Now, yeah, I, I didn't read, I've never read that story that details this whole thing about. Me either. Parker's parents being shielded or a, or, um, CIA agents and no I think at some point they were S.H.I.E.L.D. agents but whatever Um, uh, and the Red Skull like I'm like okay does Spider-Man have a thing for like the Red Skull because I would if I was him
0: (laughs) although of course it's not even the Red Skull yeah that's true but still it's like we pissed off and uh, like you said before we got Nick Fury again finally becoming head of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm mm-hmm and we got a bit also with the uh the pride, the parents of runaways.
1: Yeah, I love that they used the original SHIELD acronym breakdown. Supreme Headquarters International Espionage Law Enforcement Division. Because that's Division. that's that was the old one. Yeah. And they so I like that they did that. They kept it to the old one for this one.
0: And there is a tie so that here, so we actually do have a tie into the Hickman Shield.
1: Yeah. With a little coin Which, thing.
0: Yeah. And also, they, they actually say it here. You know, United, Affili- United Nations affiliated groups spurred the next incarnation of the Brotherhood of the Shield.
1: Mm-hmm. And we saw a lot of that in that first issue. Yeah, which is good.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, while I don't really think a lot of those things exist in the real in the real world, these you know, decades or you know, centuries long you know groups, hidden groups and stuff. Right. But I do love it in the I do love it in my fiction.
1: Oh my god! I mean, and Marvel has so many. They all have so many. I mean, just in the first issue, it was like the Hand, and and they did get the origins of of like what would become the Agents of Atlas, the Atlas Foundation, and and uh, what else? The Chaste was in that first issue. Yes, the first brother, uh, the first Brotherhood of the Shield. So yeah, totally makes sense. And 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 that they would change and morph over time. That's that's what was so much fun about that Hickman series.
0: Yeah, which I need to reread, because especially those last few issues took so long to come out. By the time I read that last issue, I could not remember. I barely remembered anything right, that happened. Right. You know, and I didn't have the patience. I don't think I had the patience or the time to reread the whole thing or probably knew where my issues were. I just read it because I was like, finally, it's out. It's kind of like when the last issue of <laughs> Hawkeye finally came out. The uh, Matt Fraction Hawkeye. Oh, OK. When that, that last issue took so long to come out, when I finally read it finally out, came out and I read it, I'm like, I really don't remember what happened before. It was a bit anticlimactic for me because I was like, I've got to reread this whole thing now because I don't remember. It's not like I'm reading it every <laughs> month where I'm waiting, for, you know, I'm ready for it. Now, uh, did you want – I did. Did you uh, –
1: did you want more Marvel monsters? Because that was such uh, an yeah. era of of comics, like, and all we got was Groot, which is fine, but –
0: Yeah, and he's the most famous of them, obviously. Because, yeah. I mean, even more so than – who would be the next one? Finn, Fang Foom? Oh, was right. he was he even a monster one or was he just Iron Man? I don't remember now. I don't remember.
1: I mean, he was in that first issue, but I mean, like, who's the 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 the, the uh? Oh, I'm not gonna. I'd have to look up their names. Like oog, oog oot, oot, oog, ug, oog, whatever. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they're all just, some kind of just syllables, like you know, just random front noises, right?
1: Like, and that was you know, they were always usually attacking uh, some poor town or some poor scientist that happened to stumble upon them, you know?
0: No, I, I, I do wouldn't have minded if they had a little bit more of that. I have to admit, yeah, I would have liked a little bit more. Kind of seeing, like, what the would have, would have been in the world there of, like, all of a sudden, like, these massive amounts of monsters are just attacking, like, every other week. We're getting some kind of monster or alien monster showing up and just destroying random areas of the world.
1: Right. Plus, it would have been a cool... A really cool splash page, you know, like or or double, you know. Orgo, that's what I was or Orgo the unconquerable. And I'm looking up a few others here. Kirby monster, Sprag.
0: <laughs> is that <laughs> the Living Hill?
1: I think so. Let's uh journey into Mr. Uh, Race of Aliens, uh, Earth's molten core to form lava monsters. They lived underground. Possibly. Yeah, there's something. Yep, here it is. A hill. Yep, living hill, an evil hill.
0: <laughs> I, I remember that because it was it was uh they use them in the John Byrne She Hulk run. Oh. Yeah, there's so. just it's a whole bunch of them. Spore. And grog. I have, yeah. Plus I have to say this, he pro Rodriguez probably could have drawn the hell out of a couple of those monsters. Oh,
1: they would have looked so cool. So well, uh eh, you know. Well what are you gonna do? They, they only do so much.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's only so much room and you probably People would probably prefer a page with Wolverine or Doctor Strange or whatever instead of, I guess, you know, more monsters. I'm just happy they included them in there at least. Right. Yeah. And of course, it makes sense if they're going to pick one, pick the one who's a movie star. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just crazy that he was brought back. It's actually, you know, like when you're younger, you get you have random comics that somehow you just end up having. Right. And one of the what random ones I had was one of the 70s reprint books that reprinted the for the Groot story. Oh. So when they actually brought him back during, like, the second Annihilation, they actually brought him in. I actually knew who that was. I'm like, I know that guy. Now he's a movie star. <laughs> it's still crazy to me. I mean, I love it. But it's still crazy. And now we're back. Uh, let's see. So going back forward, we have now we're getting more towards the 60s. Mm hmm. You know, with their version of the Vietnam conflict, so to speak.
1: Love this page. Yeah. Lo- love that they actually because they've said it many times or they've hinted at it or whatever. But they're flat out just saying. Remember those. Korean War stories or Vietnam War stories where whoever met whoever, or whoever fought next, it all takes place in this war. This floating time
0: war, you know? Yeah, the Sing Kong, which is what's the focus of that, like I said last time, the focus of the the Marvel series right now that's coming out. Oh, cool. And also gave away, now they can now kind of put back in Ben Grimm and Reed Richards' war hit records. Right.
1: Because they, they were running around in World War Two,
0: right? Originally, yeah, but yeah. that's because, you know, it was 1964. Sure. And it's like they're at least 30 or so years old, 30 or 40. So it's like, yeah, they were in World War II. And now, obviously, by 1980, it's like, yeah, that didn't happen. Right. And I do like when they find a way to not – without too much effort – I mean, obviously, you have to put some effort in, but not too much effort put that stuff back in. Kind of like when John Byrne put back in Wonder Woman Mm, in the Justice Society. It's like, okay, it's her mom. Right. But, hey – that still means, you know, Wonder Woman still is a part of the JSA. It's like, all right, we don't got Superman or Batman, but at least we got one of them. Right. I was happy with that. And even the Punisher. Mm hmm. Because, again, you know, you came to a point where it's like, OK, if they're a part of Vietnam. Uh, it, it's impo- like there's no way the Punisher's running around killing people like he is, like he still is.
1: Right. Unless you have a, an infinity serum or <laughs> a super soldier serum or whatever, you ain't going to live that long.
4: Yeah.
0: Are you part of Lantean? No. Got super soldier here? Yeah. No. All right, then. We got to figure out something else. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of living long, we got Thor. You know, now we got Thor again as Odin, you know, annoyed by his arrogance. Although I have a little more trouble with comic Odin doing this than movie Odin. <laughs> At least movie Odin seemed more like he cared about that. Comic Odin, I'm half, I would not be surprised if Thor's arrogance was just Thor questioned him once. He's like, that's it.
1: Right, right. Because the original stories were, you know, what they were. I mean, later they they made it deeper, but the original stories were just, you know, they had to get him there.
0: And the um, whole Don Blake thing still is confusing. Sometimes it's it's weird reading those old Thor stories. It's like, wait, so is he Thor? Is he Don Blake? He's the same right. guy? He's different. And is he a guy like because aren't there like later
1: stories or something that just happened in the past year where there actually is a Donald Blake? And and, but it always made I always just assumed Odin created this thing. This this it's almost like a a less I knew. Yes. Yeah.
0: I mean, that's less I knew. Yes. But they might have done created Donald Blake later on to. Screw with him. Hmm. But I'm not sure on that. I'm not that up on all the Thor stuff in the last several years. Yeah. Somebody out
1: there knows. Um, to go back to the Sia the Sia war for a second. Um, the the one point that I wanted as I was reading this. So awesome. You have a not awesome, but you have a era. You have a war. That a lot of your characters have stories written about, right? Iron Man, like you mentioned, Fantastic Four, uh, Mandarin, Lady Lotus on the page here. So you need to have that conflict because there's that's like built into a lot of their origin stories, right? Okay, great. And it's great that they can move it, right? They can move it from the sixties and seventies to you know, at one point it was like all, oh, uh, like I think even the Iron Man movie, what it was like in Afghanistan, I think. Yes. Um, But what it does is since those stories can keep pushing, the time between Captain America going falling into the water and going into suspended animation and the birth of the modern Marvel age is going to always – it's going to get wider and wider, right? Yeah. Like, think about it. Winter Soldier is going to – be around from the 40s until whenever we catch up to whenever marvel begins you know think about if you're reading marvel comics 40 years from now that that gap is going to be almost 100 years
0: yeah that's one of the downsides of something like this where you have to kind of keep figuring out and then you have to kind of figure out some way of keeping these people young or explaining it or hope or killing and bringing them back in some way so therefore it's like all right now this is why they're young
1: or you have to make your Marvel Universe not just be within the confines of ten years. You're going to have to stretch it. You know? I mean, that's
0: one advantage the movies have. While the disadvantage is, of course, you have actors. And therefore, if they decide, I don't want to do this anymore. Or, for instance, attack with Boseman, pass away. You have to decide, do we kill the character off or do we recast them? Right. But because you're doing with actual people of ages, until they reboot the whole thing, they don't have to change Tony Stark Georgian from Afghanistan. Right. Because it took place in two thousand eight. That's right. It happened how many years ago? Okay, so yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's it's a state of fact. So right. that's the one advantage they have. It's also a disadvantage, but it's an advantage, you know, in the fact that they can't just have, you know, decide, well, let's redraw him again. Okay, he's back now.
1: Right. That's one thing the comics kinda especially the Marvel universe. I mean it's it's there with D C too, because they very clearly have World War Two characters. Mm-hmm. So between the birth of Between the golden age and the silver age, or if you want to say the bronze age, that time is going to have to extend, extend. Yeah. And and what does that mean for their characters?
0: And that was one nice thing that DC did have before crisis. Because you had Earth 2. And so therefore, at the time, I mean, at the time, granted, it was the 80s only. So it wasn't that long past. Right, right. Because the older I get, the less, <laughs> the less the like, that seems like that long <laughs> time period. <laughs> but, I mean, you at least had them being older, and therefore that's why you had Infinity Inc. Because it's like, well, these are their kids now doing it, because, you know, the parents are, like, in their 50s and 60s. Right. And so while they might still be active, they couldn't be as active or as good as they were before, because they're just getting older. That's one thing that's happened since they merged everything together. And while I do love that whole legacy idea of DC, where it goes from the JSA to the JLA and so on and so forth. Again, you have that gap period, right?
1: I just did a little math. So between, I, I just picked a random year, 1986 and the end of World War II, right? You're talking 40, 41 years, right? Um, let, me, let me do that again. 1986, 1945, the war end of 41 years. We're in 2022 minus 1986. That's 36 years. So we're almost at that same gap now. If you were reading comics in the 80s and and World War II, you know, Golden Age comics were how many years ago? We are almost at – we're at that point now basically where 80s comics could be considered to some people as Golden Age comics. Yeah. Isn't that scary?
0: It's – yeah, it's so weird. Like I said, that's our – it's your perception of time as you get older – i know it's i mean i remember as a kid reading stuff from the 70s and we're talking like late 80s early 90s and that seems so long ago and now like that same time period is like less than like you know from when like like you said winter soldier started right like that's like the same thing and to me that's like <laughs> i remember that like you know that was only a couple years ago right they're gonna oh, have wait, to wait play- 20 years what <laughs>
1: <laughs> they're going to have to put Winter Soldier also in suspend longer suspended animation, you know, to the point where he's going to have to pop up in the year two thousand. Well, he did, but he did, yeah, he but, did. But he's going to have to be even later than that. I mean, active.
0: Eventually, no, it's just, got to be like it's going to be like people are. If they're going to retcon, it's like oh, it was like twenty twenty when he came back out, right? When right, he found
1: right. Bucky. Right. Ah, oh, so weird. Okay, sorry. So that was a. T- I, I just had that in my notes about that page. So I just
0: wanted to. No, no, that's fine. That's that's what this whole thing is about. Doing this whole thing. That's part of this. Uh, so we did. What we did, we did the Thor? Oh, that's right. And now we got. We're near the end. We got Reed Richards and his uh, classmates, Ben Grimm and uh, Victor Von Doom. As he's you know working in university. Now I'm assuming it's that's Doom in the background there, and the like the furthest one back with the hand on his chin. Right. I kind of would have hoped. Now I, Grimm is not an idiot. I mean, he was a test pilot. He can't be that dumb. Right. You know, he's always... He's smarter than he lets himself... You know, he, he portrays himself. But I wouldn't have minded, actually, here, a little artistic thing, if he looked a little more confused. Because <laughs> he looks too much like he's understanding.
1: Yeah. I'm like, also a little confused of the sequence of events that... Did they go to
0: war first and then college? Or... Uh, I believe it was... it's. I don't know if you know what, I don't know now if this is something that I just kind of put in my head or something I read. But I thought like he was kind of like on a almost like going to college, like. Because he was, in you know, in the military, like it paid
1: for him, because when you when you read that, obviously, when you read those first, you know, those, the origin of Fantastic Four, Ben and Reed are meeting in college, right? Because that's the whole thing. The, Doom doesn't want to be Reed's roommate. So Ben is like, oh, I'll be your roommate, you know. Um But then we've gotten stories where they fought side by side in World War II. This seems to suggest that they are in the same conflict, but maybe not necessarily that they don't know each other. You know, I mean, you can't go too much by this this history because it's not like they're digging that deeply into it. But I I, I always assume they met in college, maybe had to go to war for a little bit. And then. And then that's why he asks him to be. The pilot of the rocket ship, but I don't, I don't know.
0: I think it's. I don't remember which one originally happened first. I know. I think from what I remember, the few times I read Fantastic Four stories that have them in military, I think they were in different branches and different things. Ben was a pilot. Reed was working in you know when he was when he was part of World War II with the uh, OSS. Right, right. Which makes sense. Big brain. They're going to have him doing you know planning and spying and stuff. Sure. But yeah. I'm not sure if it was ever set up, which happened first. But considering the fact that they I remember, I'm pretty sure they did say that Reed was working on yet another set of degrees. Oh, that's true. <laughs> so it could kind of fit that, like, they both were going this, this timeline now where they're in the military separately. And right. then Ben goes to college afterwards because now he could afford to.
1: And this is Reed's,
0: you know, third doctorate. Exactly. So Reed's yeah. starting over again and Ben's starting for the first time. But they're both like 24 or 22 or something.
1: Yeah, that makes sense.
0: I get that. Because, like I said, Ben's not an idiot, but with his background with the Yancy Street Gang, you know, running with the Yancy Street Gang and stuff, I'm not sure how easily it would have been for him to go to college. But put in the war record, you know, military record, now he, has a, now he has a shot of going to college. Right, yeah. And going to a college that Reed Richards is going to, and Doom is right. going to, which obviously is not going to be community college. <laughs> it's going to be something impressive. I mean, I think they just call it State U always, but that's just because... Sure. They had a cool, they, had a, they made up something. Although I was wondering if it was Empire State, you were not. I mean, it might as well should be, right? Yeah. And then we end off with, well, like you said, the beginning of the, you're about to start off the Marvel Age as they're running to that rocket ship.
1: Running towards destiny. Yep.
0: Yeah. Running towards the first Marvel comic, as we know it.
1: Yeah, it's a good, I mean, this time period is, is exactly like, uh, uh as i was saying earlier like it's 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 still very unexplored area and yet it's it's deeply explored in some ways and and always being added to in others um i think for me like the first issue i love all those concepts as i'm sure you do you know anything oh yeah sort of marvel cosmic you know it's like oh such a i real awesome. but this i have to say this one did make me go hmm i should read that i should read that i should you know I should read these comics to actually make them make sense in my head. <laughs>
0: yeah, and I will say, based on like go looking back at this whole appendix of all these issues they list, I would definitely recommend to everyone checking out Mystery Men and the Marvel's Project. Right, yeah. Which is and definitely a lot of fun.
1: I'm glad in the appendix they mentioned the 12. J. Michael Straczynski's The 12. Yes. Because they didn't necessarily mention that in the main part. But that was another one of those... Let me throw together a whole bunch of different Marvel characters into a story.
0: And I did enjoy that book when it came out. And that's about where I got you up into my reading before we started doing this recording of following this backup stuff. Cool. So that's my next thing to read is to reread the Twelve.
1: Yeah, reread the Twelve, reread the Truth too. That's
0: just it's just really that's so good, so good. It, going by that, that's coming up to that. It's, it's the Twelve, then X Men Magneto Testament, and then Truth. Cool. Yeah, I think
1: for me, if I looked at the as I look at the appendix, um, the things that I really want to read, uh, I, I think I I'm like, hmm, I should really read that Lost Generation stuff. See how that holds up, you know, all these years later, um, I would love to tap into Original Sin because that whole man on the wall thing is so that's such a cool concept put into to comic book terms. But I'm like, yeah, I, I I kinda wanna read that. And the um the other one is the uh the Avengers of the uh the Avengers of the fifties, but not the one with Gorilla Man, the other one. the one with Craven and,
0: and Avengers nineteen fifty nine, I think it's fifty nine,
1: yeah. Like I wanna like that, I'm like, that whole concept blows my head. Sabretooth, Craven, what? Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, and also I'm looking here, Adam Legend of the Blue Marvel. Yeah, I've never, I've never read never, that. Yeah. I've never read that either, but I did like his character a lot. He's in Marvel Comics One Thousand a bit. He's also in that uh, in the Post Secret War Ultimates book
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. With, without uh, Ewing,
0: right? Yeah, yeah. And so I like him there. So I like. I really need to read that. Read that.
1: Yeah, just to get a sense of you know how they fit. You know, like not only how they fit in whatever year those stories were published, but how they fit in the larger scale as well.
0: Yeah, so. and. Uh, Let's see what else do they have here anything else specific i needed to read
1: everything else was kind of like okay yeah you know the the magneto store origin story always kind of gets tweaked here and there like i've read so many of those a lot of the red skull stuff i was like yeah yeah, yeah i've read you know that 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 doesn't necessarily interest me as much uh, a lot of that 70s stuff i know is there and i've read dribs and drabs but it's <laughs> oh the mystery men that's the other one i need to read that
0: that was a fun that was enjoyable yeah that was that was an enjoyable one. and like I said i didn't realize until when I read it at first until I read some other stuff that that was the uh oh no, sorry the other way around when I read Marvel comics 1000 and they have the character of the ferret and he talked about being the operative but I didn't realize what that was until I read right. mystery Men. and I'm like oh that's it that's him yeah oh it's right here at the back on the last page of the
4: uh
0: appendix mm-hmm Fantastic Four Eleven was the first mention of the wartime activities of Americans Ben Grimm and Reed Richards. Grimm served as a pilot, while Richards served at the Office of Strategic Services, a wartime intelligence agency. So that's how I knew they were part of that because of this issue. Right. <laughs> it's a, yeah, it basically says, well, this account puts them in World War II, just adjusted to basically be in the Sin you know, Sin conflict. conflict. Uh, there was no OSS, but you could just assume Richards served in a comparable agency.
1: And that's something you know. We're a long time comic reader, so like that to us is like a no brainer. Like it, even even if they said, "Oh yeah, we met in World War II," like even if they said that now in twenty twenty two, I'd be like, "Sure, of course you did." Because who cares, you know? Like that. It's like when when uh, when I think it was Grant Morrison who said, "Somebody's like, who changes the tires on the Batmobile?" Grant Morrison was like, "Who cares?" You know? Like it, they they just get done. So to me, it doesn't need to be so. Yes, it did. This war took place. Like if it's like, I get it. I get it. Give, like,
0: give us enough, and we can fill in the blanks yeah. ourselves and go on from there.
1: Right. But I love that they also <laughs> flat out just mentioned. Oh yeah, this is all going to change. This is a sliding scale. Franklin Richards is still only what twelve by this eight, nine, ten. I forgot how old he is now. He's a little
0: older now. He yeah. He's like okay. well, he's like eleven or twelve now. He's like his. Well, which makes sense because the Power Pack kids are like in their like early twenty late like teens, early twenties. So right. Uh, they can't have Franklin still beef. Although that would be an interesting story if he was still five and he met him was like, wait a minute, what's going on? Here?
1: <laughs> same thing with like the new mutants, you know, so this, as soon as one of them has a baby, it's like, it's over with, right? Like they're just too old, you know? So, yeah,
0: well, that's always the problem when you have the original ones where you don't want, I mean, it's the same thing with all the Robins, like how old is Tim Drake and how old is Dick Grayson? Right. And how and long if that's is the Bat- case. Yeah. How old is Batman? Right. How long has he been Batman that he has
1: eight Robins? Yeah. You know, and it's like, it up to now.
0: and how can he be? How how old is Dick? How old was Dick Grayson then? If he's supposed to be in his 20s now, how old is he? You know, he can't be eight years old anymore because if he's like 25 and he was eight when he started that Batman can't be 30. Right,
1: right. And part <laughs> or,
0: of it, the yeah. the
1: downfall of some of that sliding scales stuff though is it, it kind of and I guess it works both in DC and Marvel. It negates a little bit of the experience, right? Like if you if your entire Marvel Universe, say they're still saying it fits within 10 years, that's, like, not enough, right? Because then that means, like, the the X-Men, for example, formed, and, like, a year later was the Dark Phoenix Saga. And it's like, no, you have to have a much longer time between when they formed, when the Dark Phoenix Saga was, when Magneto was their leader, when they had the big giant yellow and gold teams now we're all the way up to hox pox right like that can't just all happen within eight years that's just that's insane yeah so that that's like the downside of a sliding timescale because it it doesn't allow for longevity or experience or just history
0: you know yeah that's one thing i do like about again going after outside things but on the comics but it's kind of like they i guess these things do have the advantage of the comics doing this for them and now they can then kind of figure out how to you know They now have, like, the Blueprint, uh, the Young Justice TV show, where these things actually, you know, years do pass, so, like, you actually can have the history. Right. They do have this experience. Superman has been around for well over a decade for them. Right.
1: Whereas, like, the Titans TV show, where they're jumping from Jason Todd to being Robin to Red Hood in a matter of, like, three months, it's like, no, sorry, ain't working. Ain't work, or two seasons, or whatever it is. Like, no, that's not working for me.
0: Oh, okay. Oh, that's the new season. Yeah, that's right. I remember seeing a thing about him being. I haven't watched the new season yet, but I did see the images of him as Red Hood. Yeah. I knew that was happening.
1: Yeah. They're just they're trying it. The the Titans are doing it. They're really jumping from like major storyline to major storyline, but those storylines are like decade, you know, years apart, and it's like no, you're not giving us a good build up. The build up isn't working. You know that, and I guess that's what I'm saying about the sliding timescale too. You know, it's like. If Superman has only been around for four years before his son is born, then he's not really Superman, you know, yeah. which maybe that's the publisher. Maybe that's what they want. You know, if that's a way to phase out the older generations to bring in the newer generations. I mean, at some point they're going to have to do some of that. Both companies.
0: Possibly. I guess it depends on how much fans accept it. I mean, yeah. why else do you think we always king They always come back to the ones that get killed off or you know retire for whatever reason sure you know why is i you know who no matter who takes over in the armor it's always going to come back to tony stark right but i mean look how
1: many wolverines there are out there look how many spider-mans there are out there so it's like you don't necessarily have to do the legacy thing just have enough of them that you can just have the legacy be have their own it's almost like remember that mc2 universe
0: yeah. oh yeah. spider girl <laughs> i love that spider girl book
1: What was it like, American Dream and and
0: oh, and A Next, the event, yeah, right, yeah,
1: (laughs) American Dream and J2.
0: And yeah, it was like an iron, it was like it was an Iron Man, it's like a sentient Iron Man armor or something.
1: In a way, that's kind of what they have, right? Marvel has almost has versions of those characters, but they just exist within the proper Marvel universe. Whereas, like, that was something separate, it was let me let's get next generation characters. I don't remember if I I guess maybe there was an old Peter Parker in it every now and then, but but in this. But that's not what they're doing here. They're like, let's create that next generation. We're calling them the same name. Hawkeye, uh, Spider-Man, Wolverine. uh, Well, I guess they named Iron Iron Heart, you know, but it's but the wasp, the wasp. Right. But they're still living and working next to the characters we know. So it's like you get the both the best of both best of both worlds
0: yeah well that's the problem that's the thing though unfortunately the downside is when they keep eventually they age those characters and then they have to do new yeah, versions do it again do it again yep I mean going back to DC again that's why we had you know for a while there I mean we had like the Justice League and the Titans and the Young Justice team because now the Titans were no longer teenagers they are all in their 20s well
1: that's why you have Dick Race and Jason Todd oh there's Tim Drake oh there's Damien
0: <laughs> yeah. like so, who's next right <laughs>
1: Who's next is the who they just introduced. What was her name? Maps or something like that.
0: Oh, that's right. I remember her from the Gotham Academy book. Yeah. (laughs) I'm you know, I'm really surprised beyond teasing it a few times here and there. They never brought in Carrie Kelly as a mainstream rock. You would think that would have, you know, an emotion, an attachment for people already because of the Dark Knight.
1: I guess if you're going to put her anywhere, try to put her in. If not like Batman Beyond, you'd have to put her into whatever era is right before Batman
0: Beyond. That would be kind of cool, putting her like a, making her like the sidekick for Batman Beyond.
1: Uh, you know, that's a way to kind of skirt the same relationship that she had with older Bruce Wayne. Yeah,
0: because yeah. 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 you could still have her coming in because of older Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. He's still grumpy. <laughs> He's still cranky, he just has a dog now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> cool.
0: But yeah, these are all the things I think of too much.
1: <laughs> right. Well, and that's the fun of these kind of history books. You can read. Oh God, yeah. The map of it is so much so fun, and and it's going to constantly be added to. That is one of the things they also do very well, I think, with this issue, uh, with these two issues so far, is that there's definite allowances for newer stuff. You know, they're just touching on all the stuff you know, but with but not necessarily putting it so concrete that something else couldn't fit when they when they add it newly you know years later
0: yeah no true and actually that even does work i mean i'm not saying it was intentional but that kind of works even with like what we said about wolverine not being there if there's already stuff we know mm-hmm. that's not shown right so like you said it doesn't you know therefore leaves room for other things to happen right right that they're not just you know showing everything so so minutely that's like well there's no way to do anything else without ruining everything I mean, even, you know, like we said, the 12 only really shows up in the appendix, Mm -hmm. not even in the actual issue itself.
2: It's now time for us to cover the feedback, and then we can get on with the end of the episode. This time we are talking about feedback from episode 150, Chaos, Chaos, and Chaos, Wilderness Years Part 4, with Sarah Sentry and Essie Fleanor, where we covered Captain Marvel 59 to 61. On Facebook, the post about the episode got likes and shares from Joe Sedano, Paul Spitaro, Gene Hendricks, and Ruth Sutherland. On Twitter, we got likes and retweets from Viet Huynh, The Daily Rios, Connor McKenna, Last Sons of Krypton, Will Hughes, Jason Snick-Venable, David Finn, Ed Moore, Mark's Mess Podcasts, Capes and Lunatics, Chris Leiden, Dano underscore Cosmic, Sarah Century, Essie Fleenor, Bitches on Comics, a bi-weekly pop culture podcast, Doc Strange, Maria Paz-Ensko, Noran, Chammy Talks Comics, parentheses they slash them, and Into the Night. If you want to hear more from me, you can hear me pretty much every week, more or less, on the LEGION PODcast. That is where we talk about the late 80s, early 90s DC sci-fi series, Legion. That's the one with the acronym, not Legion of Superheroes. And you can find that on the Legion of Substitute Podcasters feed. Links for that will, of course, be in the show notes. If you have comments you want to say about this episode, or just want to hear your name said here in the feedback, here's how you do it. Send us an email, resurrectionspodcast at yahoo.com. Go like and share our posts on Facebook. Just go to Facebook, and in the search box, type in Adam Warlock or Thanos. We will pop up. Go to our Tumblr page resurrectionsadamwarlock.tumblr.com or talk to us on Twitter at adamthanospod and of course you can always leave us a review on Apple Podcasts it's been a while since I got one of those and I would read the whole thing here just a reminder if you are outside of the United States and doing a review on Apple Podcasts please send me a message real quick letting me know because I would have to actually switch it over to your country of origin so I can find it otherwise it won't just show up for me one last thing This show is part of The Collective. The Collective is a podcast network that was started by a few like-minded podcasters who wanted to network in the most traditional sense. It has become a repository for ideas, crossovers, and potential guest appearances. And you are going to hear a promo for one of the other Collective shows right now.
3: I am Connor from the House of Elves. And I am Ray from the House of Zod. We are two of the many, many survivors of Krypton's destruction, and we have made our home in Australia, and
1: dare I say have become Australians, for better or worse. But we have also decided to read Superman comics, I read Superman books, watch Superman shows, cartoons, movies, basically everything Superman, and from an Australian perspective as well. Whether you're a seasoned fan, like me,
2: or whether you are coming in fresh, wide-eyed, and wanting to learn more, like me, then this podcast is for you. Join us for our bi-weekly adventures, available on all good podcast catchers.
1: So just search for "Last Sons of Krypton," a Superman podcast. We'll be coming to you from Australia or some cosmic dimension,
3: wherever we are that up, 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 and away! away.
1: Oh, these are fun yeah i'm i'm, I'm third well i mean first of all i get to read my comics which is always good yes um but but just going down this little this little tunnel of marvel history has been little, it's just really great
0: and i'll have to pay attention now i'm looking forward to now that avengers 1959 i didn't realize anymore is in that glad you mentioned that yeah all right well i guess we're done with this one now okay i mean unless there's anything any other notes you have
1: no, I, I hate a lot of the questions that I had more than more than, you know, that the, the, that that was the fun. of. I'm curious to see how issue three, maybe maybe even with you, but it, definitely with me, I'm assuming they're going to hit all the all the beats that I already know. So will I learn anything new and will I have questions? That That's the fun of reading these things. So, yeah. we'll see how that plays out.
0: Well, we will find out next time. But before next time, let's tell people where they can hear more from you.
1: Go to the its its website where I drop all of uh, my particular podcasts or any podcasts that I that I'm um, that I get to join, such as this one. Uh, or you can follow my Twitter, Peter J. Rios, where I absolutely dump everything and, you know, and and more <laughs> currently in a whole George Paris celebration thing, which I love. Yeah. Um, yeah. So those those two places, my website and my and my Twitter best places to find my
0: work. And links for all that will be in the show notes. So you don't have to go remember what to look for. Just go click.
1: Awesome. Thanks.
0: All right. Well, thank you again for being here. You bet. And, thank you. And uh, we'll be back next. The show will be back next time with, I forget what it was, but I'm sure it's something. All right. Bye. Bye.
2: free-intro-music.com and DJ Puzzle at peaceloveproductions.com Links to both can be found on the Tumblr page.